tonight, let's take a look at the Indo-European languages and uh, uh, correspondences, regular correspondences between the sounds of Proto-Indo-European and then the classical languages, Latin and Greek, and, uh, and Old Germanic as well, and then correspondences between uh, those languages and modern-day English. Uh, what we'll find are uh, su surprisingly regular uh, correspondences in, in some of the sounds. First of all, the, uh, the Indo-European family, as we mentioned uh, earlier in the course, comprises a set of language groups uh, with uh, Germanic being one group and Italic being another. Italic is uh, the, the, the group that Latin belonged to with its modern descendants, French, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, Romanian, and a few others. Hellenic was the group that, uh, that Greek belonged to. Uh, ancient Greek is the ancestor of modern Greek. Celtic was another group, the ancestor of uh, modern-day Scots Gaelic, Irish, Breton, and Welsh. And then uh, a few other la uh, language groups, Balto-Slavic, Indo-Iranian, that includes Indic, which had Sanskrit in it, and Irania, that includes uh, modern-day Persian or Farsi. And then uh, 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 a few, few other groups that don't have any branches. So modern-day Armenian is a group that goes back to Indo-European, but it never, never split into uh, smaller groups of languages. Albanian is another, another such language. It's a, a group, a sister, if you will, of Hellenic, Italic, Germanic, and so on. And then a, a couple of groups that, uh, that are now extinct. So Tocharian and, and Hittite are examples of those. Those, those, uh, those groups pretty much uh, uh, give the, uh, the list of Indo-European languages. Now let's look at some, uh, some correspondences. Again, we saw this uh, earlier, the same slide with the same uh, typographical uh, problem that, that, that I've had, but uh, labial, uh, just, just for terminology, remember our labial sounds include the stops P and B, and the fricatives F and V. The sound on the left is voiceless, the sound on the right is voiced. In the dental category, we have uh, the sounds we called alveolar before. T is voiceless, D is voiced. And among the fricatives, we have a theta, the sound of thin or thick, and uh, the, the sound ev, which is the, the sound of the or the. They are voiced and voiceless, voiceless and voice versions of one another. And then S and Z are the, the other uh, dental fricatives that, that we have in English. For the velar sounds, voiceless K and voice G. So given, given those categories, let's look at, uh, again, the, uh, the correspondences be, uh, between English and Latin, Greek, and uh, Sanskrit. So in English, the Notice that father begins with a labial sound. It's a fricative, and uh, it is related to stops that are labial sounds in Latin and Greek, also in Sanskrit. The uh, our word three begins with a voiceless dental fricative, and because 
fricatives in English correspond to stops. In Latin and Greek, we should expect a dental stop, a voiceless dental stop, and that's what we find both in Latin and in Greek in the word for three. And going back to the velars, in the, in the, in the velar series, there were more changes, so we don't have a voiceless velar fricative in English, but we do have something that's fairly close to that, the sound H, and that is, that is related to a voiceless velar uh, fricative historically, um, and that, is, uh, that should correspond to a voiceless velar stop in Latin and, and Greek, and indeed it does, all right? If you look at the other, uh, other consonants in the words, uh, you can also see really uh, 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 interesting correspondences. So in Latin and Greek, the words for father had a T in the middle. And, and as the middle sound in English, we have an ev, a v. What's the relationship there? What's the similarity between the T of Latin and Greek and the v of father? In Latin and Greek, we have what kind of sound? We have a stop, and it's dental, and it's voiceless. In father, we have a fricative, and it's voiced, but it's still, it's still dental. We can show that the, the, uh, the correspondence between stops is exactly what we would expect, but uh, we would expect a, dent, a voiceless dental stop uh, in, in English father. The reason why we get a voiced stop is because of a special change that happened in Germanic languages. After an accented syllable, a, voice consonant, a voiceless consonant became voiced. So in between two vowels, if the vowel on the left is accented, then the consonant after that vowel, before an unaccented vowel, went from voiceless to voiced. And so the, it, again, it, it, uh, it, it's a regular correspondence, which we, which we could show, for example, with the word mother. Mother in Latin and Greek had a T in the middle, as in we had uh, uh, in, uh, in, I think it's today's list, if it's not uh, next time, uh, M-E-T-R as a root for mother. T is the medial consonant. And again, that corresponds to the the that we get in English. Um, the R of three, we get, as we see in Latin and, and Greek as well. The R of heart, we see in core and cardia. The D of cardia, we see coming into Germanic as the, the T at the end of heart. So lots and lots of correspondences. Let's look at a few more examples now. Pen. Uh, so for the voiceless stop of 10, that corresponds to what kind of sound in Latin and Greek? It's voiced. It's a stop, it's dental, but it's voiced. And that, uh, that's all there is to it. And then uh, for, for K, which is a, a voiceless velar stop, we should, by the same token, expect a voiced velar stop in Latin and Greek, and that's, that's what we get. <clears throat> um, there, uh, finally, considering the, the voiced stops in English, the B, uh, so a voiced 
labial stop is cognate with Latin, uh, the Latin labial a voiceless fricative. So B corresponds to F. The labiality is maintained, but the, uh, uh, the, the voicing and the nature of the sound, the stop, the stop corresponds to a fricative. The same is true in Greek. It doesn't come out in the, in the slide where the underline is in Greek corresponds to an H. So the F of Latin corresponds to PH in Greek. And that's probably something that we've, uh, we've seen before. So the uh, corresponding to the root FER, meaning to carry or bear in Latin. What's the Greek root for that? PH, beginning with PH. PHER or PHOR. So uh, metaphor, P-H-O-R, has a root meaning to carry or to bear. That's the same root that we get in the fur of Latin, transfer. Um, what's some other um, Greek words that uh, have a P-H where we'll find an F in Latin? <clears throat> we'll, um, We'll see if we can. We can see if we can come up with a, a few others. Uh, in 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 uh, in English, the word "do" is we can see a relationship between that "d" and the corresponding sound in Greek. This is thesis, T-H-E-S-I-S. Those go back to the same Indo-European root. They had the same pronunciation in European. It's just that where Greek has uh, th, English kept the alveolar sound, but changed that uh, that uh, that voice that, that that voiceless stop into a d. The the, uh, the 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 description of that voiceless stop increase a th is a voiceless aspirated sound. The, the, the H in the transcription designates uh, aspiration. <clears throat> so in Greek, the, the voiceless aspirate sound, whether PH or TH, correspond to uh, voiced sounds articulated in the same place, labial for labial, uh, dental for dental. <clears throat> uh, Latin underwent uh, uh, an additional change. Both the alveolars and the labials in Greek were realized as, uh, as labials in Latin. And uh, corresponding to the, the, uh, the pH or TH, the voiceless aspirates, we have a fricative in, in Latin. So Latin has F where we had uh, Greek pH. Latin has F where we had Greek TH as well. <clears throat> so, they, uh, th there are many, many correspondences like these. There's so many that, that maybe it gets a little confusing after a while, unless you keep in mind how, how close they are to one another phonetically. Um, so uh, uh, a summary of these correspondences is, is on this slide. This comes from the textbook. So uh, 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 Gri Grimm. In the 19th century, <clears throat> excuse me, discovered the uh, the basic law that uh, that linked Germanic to Proto-Indo-European. 
And here, here's the statement of the correspondence. Up uh, in the previous slides, we talked about the correspondence between English and Latin and Greek. Let's, let's move back a step and talk about the correspondence between Germanic, the mother tongue of English, and Proto-Indo-European, the mother tongue of them all. Once we see that, then we'll talk about how the Proto-Indo-European sounds were realized in Latin and Greek. And these will be very simple. <clears throat> so Proto-Indo-European had three kinds of stops. It had voiceless stops, P, T, and K. It had voice stops, B, D, and G, just like English. Then it had a third series of stops that are called breathy voiced stops. Breathy voice stops are produced by putting your larynx in a, in a particular position, which I can uh, describe to you now. If you're going to say uh, a B sound, ba, ba, if you want to make that B into a breathy voice sound, what you do is you take, you take your, uh, your vocal cords, take the position that they would be in to make a, a B so that they'll vibrate, and now slacken the vocal cords and let them, let them open a little bit. With, with the vocal cords not very stiff and with an opening in them, it means that the air coming up will, will not cause them to vibrate as for a B, but it will rather cause them to make a sort of rushing noise that we call breathy voice. It sounds something like ba, ba, ba. <laughs> the last time it was uh, too exaggerated, so it came out as two syllables. But instead of ba, we get ba. All right, you hear a little breathiness there. You try it if you like. Ba. Uh, same, uh, same with the, the sounds B and G. So those, those were the, uh, the, the third series of stops in, in uh, Proto-Indo-European. How were these Indo-European uh, sounds realized in Germanic? Well, we see that the Proto-Indo-European voiceless stops correspond to uh, F, theta, and H in, in Germanic. So voiceless fricatives that are labial, dental. So this is the F of thin and H, which correspond to modern English H. So voiceless stops in Proto-Indo-European be became uh, voiceless fricatives in Germanic. Voiced stops became voiceless stops. And the breathy voiced consonants became regular voiced consonants. All right? So Germanic has P, T, and K. But in words where Indo-European didn't have P, T, and K. Germanic has B, D, and G, but in words where Indo-European didn't have B, D, and G, the, the voicing of the sounds changed. But the, the place of articulation of the sounds, labial, dental, velar, didn't change. And that, that's what permits us to see the correspondences. This shift in, uh, in a realization of the consonants, the, uh, P, T, and K give rise to one thing. B, D, and G give rise to P, T, and K. 
and these sounds give rise to PDD. Does that, does that shift in, in voicing remind you of anything that we've seen earlier in the course? The vowel shift. All right, we're just wholesale, the, uh, the phonemes, the whole series of sounds for uh, uh, a given articulation uh, change to another kind, another kind of sound. All right. So the, this thing that, that, uh, uh, that got us so surprised when we looked at the history of English and vowel shift turns out something sort of similar to that uh, uh, happened in the, uh, in the uh, development of Germanic from Indo-European. The last thing that I, I, I need to show you on this slide is what happened to Latin and Greek. So along with the Germanic column, I probably should have included a, a Latin and a Greek column. But let's go through those uh, as well. Uh, for for Proto-Indo-European to, uh, to Greek is very simple. Um, P, T, and K stayed the same. In, in Greek. B, D, and G stayed the same in Greek. The only thing that changed between Indo-European, Proto-Indo-European and Greek is the last series. The breasty voice consonants were realized as PH, TH, and, uh, and KH in, uh, in Greek. So we have uh, uh, we talked about the morpheme fur, P-H-E-R, P-H-O-R. Well, that's, uh, that comes from uh, Proto-Indo-European B-H. We saw the T-H of thesis. That goes back to an Indo-European B-H. All right? So, so the correspondences are, are, are pretty straightforward. Between uh, <clears throat> Proto-Indo-European and Latin, Again, the correspondences are, are quite straightforward. P, T, and K didn't change between Proto-Indo-European and Latin. B, D, and G also did not change. But what we have is corresponding to B, H, and D, H, we have the Latin F, F, which we saw in, well, we just, we just saw it. Where, where did we see it? Oh, so we saw the, uh, saw the F in fur, F-E-R, uh, corresponds to, uh, to uh, uh, B-H-E-R, and then corresponding to the, the D-H that we get in do, D-O, the verb to do in English, that should be a Latin um, voiceless fricative, F, and, the, and, and in fact, fac, F-A-C, which means to do or to make. That is cognate with our word to do. They, uh, even though they sound so different, they actually come from uh, the, the same Indo-European root. All right. So, yes, Roger. Ask me the question again. Uh, yeah, that corresponds to uh, theta. Uh, this is this is my font problem uh, again. So that corresponds to thing. So, so that's the uh, uh, that's the sound of thin in English. And so by by this chart, where we have thin in English, Latin 
and Greek should have what sound? A T, because T in Latin and Greek go back to T in Indo-European. Well, is that correspondence correct? What's the root for thin in Latin? Pan, T-E-N. How about in Greek? Tone. If you have muscle tone, that is the same root. It's surprising, isn't it, uh, that, uh, that there are uh, these correspondences? Well, let's, uh, let's go through this list, and let's, uh, let's take these correspondences and now fill in what the Latin root should have. And uh, so we did thin already. Fish, so the voice was fricative, that's labial, that should be. That should, uh, that should correspond to what, which sound or what kind of sound? P. So take P-I and some, some sibilant sound, and what do you get? P-I-S, which we get in Pisces, Piscatory, and uh, a few other words. Uh, hundred, I misspelled. Um, I have to make up a new slide for this one. Uh, hundred, so the H uh, occupies the place of a voiceless velar fricative. That should be what sound in Latin? It should be a velar sound because the place is never shifted. But for our fricatives, for our fricatives like F, we're finding a stop in Latin. So a velar stop in Latin for hundred. The second consonant should be an N. The third consonant is like the N of 100. The third consonant should be a, a, a dental. Kentum. Kentum. Un okay, unfortunately, we, we pronounce it, we, we change the pronunciation. So, uh, centennial, cent, and so on. That is, uh, that's, uh, that's our pronunciation of Latin, Kent. <coughs> Knee, I think we saw this before. The K of knee used to be pronounced as in knee, knight, knicht, and so on. Uh, the K is there orthographically because it used to be pronounced. The K of voiceless stop should correspond to what kind of sound in Latin? Well, we saw that. Um, uh, that uh, ten, ten, in English corresponded to deca in Latin and Greek. So the voiceless sound corresponds. The voiceless stop corresponds to a voiced sound. So the voiceless k should correspond to a voiced velar, uh, which is a g. Next consonant should be an n. All right. Give me a Latin root that has G and N as the first two consonants, meaning me. Genuflect. Genu. G-E-N-U. Uh, guest begins with what kind of sound? A voiced velar. In Latin, we should get Uh, what should we get? 
we should get uh, we should get a GH, shouldn't we? We should get something corresponding to the Indo-European GH. Uh, guest is cognate with host. So guest is the Germanic word. Host is the the uh, the Latinate word. Break. The B of break. Voiced voice sound should correspond to a BH in Proto-Indo-European, which would have been realized as uh, what in Latin? BH became F in Latin. And so the first consonant of the, the Latin root is going to be an F. Next one is going to be an R. And the last consonant, there'll be some vowel. vowels changed you know, too much to really trace their regularities. Uh, and the, the last consonant should be a velar of some sort. So F, R, this is like doing crossword puzzles, isn't it? F, R, vowel, velar. Frank. Frank and Frank are the same root. They were pronounced the same in Indo-European. Sit. Sit. The S is, the S is pretty much didn't change. So the S is, is related to Indo-European S and Latin S. The T is voiceless and should correspond to Latin gentle voiced stop. So S vowel D said as in sedentary preside We're not, uh, we're not quite finished here. Uh, uh, between uh, uh, Germanic and Greek. So Germanic F goes back to Indo-European PH. I'm sorry, Latin F, uh, I'm sorry. Germanic F goes back to Indo-European P. The, the voices stop, become voiceless fricative. So give me, and, and the Indo-European P uh, stayed P in Greek. So give me a Greek root that begins with P, whose next vowel is R, meaning fire. Fire. Okay, between Latin and Greek, there are correspondences. Uh, that we, uh, here's, uh, here's the most regular correspondence. Semi, super, sub, uh, sop, the sop and sop, the som and somno. Semi, in Greek, that's what? Hemi. S corresponds to uh, H. So if given that, super should be hooper, except that uh, the, 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 the corresponding Greek vowel, we realize as a, we spell it with a Y, and we pronounce it as I. So hyper and, and super are the same morphemes. They were pronounced the same in Indo-European. Sub. So we are, S corresponds to H, U corresponds to Y, B is a labial sound. Give me a, another labial sound. Okay. So sub is at the end of uh, at, at the end of the prefix in Latin, but hypo in Greek means under. All right, those are the same uh, the, the same morpheme originally. In soporific. Or, yes, okay. 
So let's let's take those uh, correspondences. So uh, for the SOP in soporific, substitute H for S. Keep the P because P in Latin goes back to Indo-European P, and Indo-European P stays the same in Greek. So H vowel P for uh, a word element that has something to do with sleeping. Soporific means inducing sleepiness. Hypnotism, hypno, hypno, and uh, somno, as in somnolent, is actually the same root. There's obviously other changes going on, but the labial consonant here is uh, in soporific is a P. The corresponding one in somno is uh, is an M, but they go they go back to the same uh, the same uh, root that we know as hypno in hypnotic from from Greek. <clears throat> All right. Um, uh, before I do the next slide, I want to do uh, a different uh, exercise with you. So let me just uh, let me just uh, let's just ignore that. What I, what I did was I went through the American Heritage Dictionary at the end. For, uh, for all the English words that we know the Indo-European source for, they list, they list the source. And so we have grouped it at, the, at the end of that dictionary uh, together under, under a given Indo-European root. All of the modern English words, the words that we know, come from that root. And it's just amazing to see res uh, 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 relationships that, uh, that we've never seen before. It really, uh, really surprised me. But let's see if um, if, uh, if it will surprise you in the same way. <clears throat> oh, I think I think I I think I do have a slide <clears throat> later about this, but it's it's better to consider this now. So rather than fish for the slide, let me just present this to you on the board. <clears throat> Take the word. Between, between, and uh, and let's focus on tween. B is a sort of uh, a prefix that we get in become, belie. Uh, okay, so it's it's it, it, it. but now let's. Let's look at the, the TW in tween and consider the fact that that sounds a lot like the, uh, the TW in twin. Okay. Now, where, where uh, if you had to guess what simple word in English, the words, the word elements tween and twin were related to, what would your first given given what twin means? Twin means there's two of them, right? Given what between means, there's two objects and and you're in the middle of them. What, what simple word do you think in English those are cognate with? Two, and that's exactly right. <clears throat> now let's translate this uh, this English root 
into Latin by undoing the, the sound changes. So the voiceless T should correspond to a voiced a D, okay? And uh, uh, and so we get look, we get dual duo diplo okay, di as in disyllabic, diplo, which we saw was an allomorph of two. This is two the plo of diplo is two folded, folded over twice. <clears throat> What was the root for uh, for twelve when uh, in in Greek when we when we when we did numbers? Dodeca. Dodeca. Deca means ten. What do you think do means? Two. Two and ten. All right. So. All of uh, uh, just uh, look at all of these relationships. It goes, it goes on. In fact, we could spend the rest of the class on these. Mm. <laughs> Tweed, twine, twill, all, twig, all of those things begin with a TW, and that TW comes from the morpheme for two. Let's look at why. Okay, you think of a twig, okay, you think of something branching off a tree. That's, that's what it is. When you think of a twill, okay, a weave or a tweed, what is it? It's two threads wrapped around one another, okay, ma making a, a very elementary weave. Uh, the same, uh, the, <laughs> the word 12, I said we saw 12 in Greek, dodeca, has a do. Guess where, our, guess where the TW in our 12s comes from? It comes from two as, as well. The LV of 12 is from. Uh, the English verb left. It's like it's uh, two is left uh, to add to ten uh, in order to get twelve. Some, 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 uh, something like that. In twenty, put the TW in twenty is two times tig, which means ten. Tig, we don't use anymore, but if we did, tig in English would correspond to Latin and Greek what? For T, we should get a D. We get some vowel corresponding to, to G. It's some kind of velar sound, as in deca. Okay, the correspondence isn't exactly. We shouldn't get a K. We should get a, we should get a, 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 a breathy voiced velar. But we get a velar consonant as, as well. All right, I mean, just to see how many of our words are related to one another and related to roots that we see in, in Latin and, in, and Greek. <clears throat> this, uh, uh, let me give you uh, one, one or two, uh, let me give you one more example and see if, uh, if you want to see more. Take the verb eat. Begins with a vowel. This is a, a Germanic verb. In Latin, would it, what would it be? Ed. That's what it is. Edible. Right. 
Um, all right. Enough. So uh, <clears throat> what what we're seeing is uh, that the uh, the uh, much of the vocabulary of English are, are words for like the different weaves, twill and twine and and tweed and so on are going back to very very elementary concepts like two and leave and, and and things like that. What we get what what what, what, uh, what we can really feel in in, in modern English, if we know these correspondences, is how how the language developed from a very simple uh, set of terms. Okay, from from two, we're getting just many many new kinds of words. From very concrete and simple words, we're getting a very complex vocabulary. All right. So that's uh, that's uh, th th that was the point of that exercise. Now. Let's look at another set of words that have uh, 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 another set, uh, uh, another kind of analysis. So where do you think words like handle, girdle, simple, riddle, middle, these, these, uh, these nouns that end in le, where do you think they came from? Do they have any, uh, they have any internal structure? Is it an accident? that handles are things that we operate with the hand. It's an accident that a thimble is something that goes on your thumb, or could, that, uh, that the middle okay, is something related to mid or medium, and so on. It's not an accident at all. <laughs> there's, there's an ending, L-E, that Germanic, uh, Germanic words had, that it put onto, onto Germanic roots to mean uh, either a, a, a little something or uh, an auxiliary something or something related to uh, the root that it's attached to. So handle something for the hand. Some, girdle is something you gird with. Thimble for your thumb. A riddle, the R-I-D in riddle is related to the verb to read, originally the verb to read. So riddles are about things that we could read. Middle is related to medium. Kindle is related to a German, a Germanic root, kin, C-K-I-N-D, that meant to burn. And noodle comes from a, 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 Ger a German verb, not, K-N-O-T, which, uh, uh, which is the, the, uh, the source of, of our word not. So a noodle is like a little knot, related, related to a knot. <clears throat> that le suffix in German is not the only le suffix that we have in the language. Uh, uh, Latin also had uh, uh, a similar suffix, and uh, words from uh, from the Latin and French derived uh, part of our vocabulary uh, 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 were attached to uh, 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 words from the Latin and French derived part of our vocabulary. Also, uh, some of them have an analysis of root plus le suffix, where the le means uh, you can. We'll see the relationship. So battle. What do you think the root is in battle? Bat, as in baseball. Okay. So a battle is somewhere something where people are batting, strike, striking one another. Obviously, our, 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 our word bat has undergone evolution as well in meaning, but the original meaning bat. 
uh, to fight or to hit is, is still present in modern uses. Chisel. For chisel, we need to know uh, a, a little more uh, uh, than, than we know right now. We need to know that the CH, the CH sound, which we write uh, this way, uh, 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 is a French development from Latin K. And um, uh, the uh, Latin K, which was written as a C, as in Kentum. And so if, if for, for C-H-I-S, I give you C-I-S, that should correspond to a Latin root. Do you see it? Incise, incisive. Size, it's the same root that we get in scissors. We messed up the spelling of scissors really badly because uh, 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 the, peop the people who developed our orthography made some wrong guesses. But the scissor, the, the cis in scissors is related to the same, same root size, C-I-S. And so a chisel is an implement for cutting, cutting into something. Cattle. OK. Cattle and chattel go back to the same root. Cattle to us means cows or bovine creatures, but the etymology tells us what it used to mean. Um, cat, the, uh, the root in, in cattle is C-A-P-T, the same root as in capital, as in working capital. All right, so cattle were part of the economic system. And the reason they were called cattle had nothing to do with them being cows. <laughs> it has to do with them being capital. Uh, castle, you can see if you if you know the uh, the uh, the Latin word castra, that means fort, or castro that means fort, like our Castro Street or a Fidel Castro. That root means fort. A castle was a little fortress, I suppose you could say. Candle. Hand, incandescent, to shine, to burn. Trundle, I wish, oh, there's that. <laughs> Trundle is here. Uh, trend, is this, okay. Trend, trend in Middle English meant to roll. And so uh, this is this Matt's last name. Uh, Matt, uh, Trundle is a variant of Trundle. It just means, so a trundle bed is one that you can roll under another, uh, another, uh, another little cot. Okay, we can, we can go on and on and on like this. Uh, it, it's absolutely amazing what percentage of our vocabulary we can still take apart. Um, so uh, these, these words, <coughs> uh, uh, they, they all sort of sound alike. Uh, so we, uh, let's not talk about all of them, but you, you can see what, what, what uh, like uh, fondle. Fondle has what, what root in it? Well, it sounds like fond, and in fact, that's not an accident. And fond, fond, F-O-N-D, actually goes back to the Germanic word for fun. So fun, fond, and fondle all, uh, uh, all contain the, the same root. Mm. Disgruntle, 
Someone joked earlier in the course that we don't have a word gruntle. Actually, English used to have a word gruntle. <laughs> we just don't use it anymore. I don't, I don't know why we didn't find it useful to be gruntled. Well, we're still disgruntled, but we're rarely gruntled. But at any rate, when we had the word gruntle, it was, it was a little grunt. <laughs> and when you're disgruntled, it's a little grunt, I don't know, disseminated. I, uh, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, th this is another, it's, a, it's yet another ending LE that is, uh, that is distinct from uh, the, 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 the Germanic LE and the Latin LE that we saw before. But it has another, you can see another, uh, another uh, sort of effect. Daze, dazzle, spark, sparkle, crack, crackle, and, and, and so on. There's another ending. Uh, as far as we know, etymologically, it's separate, even though it looks so similar. It's L-E preceded by a U. You get that in globule. What's the root in globule? Globe. Pustule, pus. Nodule, node. Okay, U-L, again, it has the same kind of meaning, a little something, whatever the root is. Uh, formula is a re-Latinized form. It came, came into English as formule from, from French, but it has that, it's a little form. And, uh, and osculate, which was, uh, on last week's quiz, osculate has, uh, has oh, let's see, uh, uh, it, uh, this, is, this is actually, uh, we'll come to, this, this should be on the next slide. We have another ending, C-U-L-E, that we get in words like corpuscle, which has a variant corpuscule, molecule. In Latin, um, uh, the, the word was... Um, Uh, I, 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 the, the root word was, I, uh, I'm going to write it on the board, M long O L E S, meaning mass. So a molecule is a tiny mass. Uncle, that uh, the L-E of uncle is related to this. So I, uh, I don't know the, um, uh, uh, the meaning of the source word here. Article the same way uh, is uh, I think uh, okay so these these are um, these are variants the C L E words are variants of C U L E so which we get in like uh, for uncle you get avuncular and article you get a corresponding form articulate so C U L E C U L E was another ending you see we got uh, just just with uh, words ending in L E we have L E from Germanic. L-E from Latin, we have the L-E of Dassel and so on, we have U-L-E as in pustule and so on, and then we have C-U-L-E as in all of, these, uh, all of these words that you see here on this slide. All of those different suffixes have been added to uh, different roots to give us uh, more words. Well, uh, it, it, in, the in the second half, I'll present uh, informally some uh, some regular changes that happened when Latin evolved into French, and, uh, and that will help us to look for uh, uh, <clears throat> Lat uh, the ultimate Latin source 
were words that English borrowed from uh, from French. In um, in in Latin, a Latin T or D went to a sound that we write as J. Again, I'll uh, I'll change the slide. Uh, uh, posted on the website is already the the correct slide here. But T or D went to J before the sound I. So a Latin word like uh, viaticum would would have uh, gotten into French with uh, uh, in place of the T that you see here with the sound J. And as we say in the text, what uh, uh, in order to find the French word that corresponds to a given Latin word, essentially take the Latin word up to the stressed syllable, and then drop drop the rest of the word. So, so viaticum, uh, if you if you just drop everything, at is the stressed syllable, and drop everything after at, you should get viat. In uh, in French, but the T should change to a J, and and you get it sounds like voyage, but that's where we get our voyage, voyage. So the the via in viaticum obviously means away. Uh, linguaticum, and we mentioned this in in the text. If if this were a a, a Latin form, <clears throat> the T would change to a J, and we'd get language or language. Okay, core, meaning heart, coraticum in Latin should correspond to courage. This is uh, an interesting one. Ab, so uh, uh, ab in Latin means what? Uh, from or away. Ante means before. And adicum is uh, the, the suffix again. <clears throat> if we, uh, uh, adicum again has stress on at, so drop everything after at. We have ab, ant, ante, and adj, adj from at. If you uh, remember, we have a rule in English that drops the vowel before another vowel. If you apply that to deriving the French from the Latin. You lose the A of ante, so you get ab, ant, edge. And if between two vowels you soften the B, soften the stop to a fricative, so soften the voice labial stop to the voice labial fricative, you'll, you'll get advantage, advantage, which is the the way the word originally came into English, our word advantage. <clears throat> the French, uh, if you know French, they say avantage, the way, the way you would predict by this, this rule. We should say advantage in English, but at the period where around the Renaissance, where people rediscovered Latin and said, ah, we're tired of French. Latin is the, the high prestige language. They went back and said, well, that A in advantage, we really, really, that, that, that dropped a consonant in Latin. 
let's make it look more Latin. And so we actually restored a D where we should have restored a B. All right, so if we wanted to make it look more Latin and be correct, we should be saying advantage. All right, but that's not, that, uh, that's just, just shows you how people mess with our language and then those, uh, those mistakes stick around. This one we saw last time. So ultra gives us the, uh, the, the outrage. Uh, uh, gives, uh, ultra plus ticum gives, gives outrage. And then <clears throat> uh, this Latin form, uticum. Uh, uh, ud is stress. You lose the rest of it. And so that gives us judge. All right, so, so all, all of these um, uh, uh, words are uh, fairly transparent sources of uh, the English words that we just mentioned. Um, the C of Latin is pronounced as a K, corresponds to the sound ch that didn't come out on the slide. So cantus in Latin should correspond to a French, French word and, and then an English borrowed word. Chant, okay, so can't as in, I don't know, canter is, uh, is sing. The um, caput means head, C-A-P. That should give us chap, C-H-A-P, as in chapter. Uh, 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 let's see, what else? We must have had a different, uh, ah, yes, and also, uh, the, uh, this, this root head gives us chief. So the French word chef, and uh, it comes into English as chief. Uh, capitulum is, is the origin of, of chapter. And caritas, Latin word, is the source of the French word for charity, which in English is pronounced charity. Uh, before IU, a D becomes J. So journal, journal comes from something that was daily, diurnal. Okay, the DI is, is, is daily. A B or a V <coughs> became a J. So let's see. So this gives combiat gives us change. So, so the, C, the C of comedy becomes ch, the B becomes j, and the N assimilates to the, the D of j, so the nasal goes to uh, 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 dental, and so you get change. With caveat, you get cage, uh, cage, cage. Um, stops or affricates become fricatives. So um, uh, again, what, what French did is it softened the, the harder sounds of Latin. Stops became fricatives uh, a lot. So consider uh, the Latin expression pre positum. Pre is, is like P-R-E, means before or in front of. Posit, so pose, our root pose means to put as in depose, impose. Okay, so this refers to something put before us, like our leader. 
And so uh, if, if, if P in between, <clears throat> if, if the P in between vowels was softened to a, a V, we would get this. Prefost, a name you've probably seen, and that's the origin of our word provost. So what a provost is, is someone who is put before us. Latin term riparium, again, this, this discussed in the, in the chapter, probably popular or vulgar Latin. The P in between vowels softens to V. Riparium uh, uh, referred to the, the banks of a river. And this is our word for, this is source of our word for river. And then the, the last one, that's the source of our, our adjective cavalier, which which we got from the French, literally meant a, a, a horseman, as in Latin. Uh, there's uh, just a few more of these. So the, uh, the sound T stop softened to the corresponding uh, uh, fricative version of the stop. So T became a, so all these, all these uh, words that in Latin ended in N-T-I-A come into English as, as ending in N-C-E. So eloquence uh, is, is a good example. How about this one? So we, we have the word ratio, R-A-T-I-O. Uh, in Latin, that word meant reason, as in being reasonable or reasoning, okay? Uh, and uh, our word reason actually comes from that root. The, the T changed to an S. And so uh, a few other changes, of course. Uh, palladium, we still see the London Palladium and, and so on. The, uh, the, the T in the original Latin softens to S, and so we get our word palace from that. And then this should be lecture, probably lecture. I'm not, I'm not, sure, what, not sure what I had in mind uh, with this one. Frankly, I can't imagine. Uh, so we get lecture, but that's a very um, uh, it's a very French word. I just can't think of uh, 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 a more uh, a more English uh, version of that word. I don't, I don't know what I had, had in mind there. So a word, what is it? A word, uh, a word, uh, peace comes from pakiem. Uh, uh, placeo, as in placate, as in placate. All right. Uh, in, in this word, the 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 the, 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 the uh, so placate we get from Latin. The 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 c that we have there is pronounced with the k sound, but this word uh, is the French source of our our verb. Related to placate, what's our verb? Please. And uh, th this K is the source of the fricative uh, that we get in malfeasance. Malfeasance. Okay. Um, the Latin word fructus had a C in it, it meant fruit. 
we lost we lost that C sound. We lost the K sound uh, because of the transition uh, from Latin to French. We got the the word for fruit from French. Conduct we got from Latin. The etymological C is there, but we also got a word that came to us through French from the same word. But French softened that C to a vowel. Conduit. Um, Paco. The, the, uh, the K sound softened to uh, a, a Y. That's the source of pay. Religo, religo. The okay. So you, the the word religion is uh, religo is the source of the word religion. The lig, l i g, is what we get in ligament and so on to to tie or bind. <coughs> uh, so so uh, uh, in those cases we get the words from Latin and so the g survives. But in, in, in the word I'm thinking of now, the, the G uh, softens to a Y in French, and we get the verb. We get everything after the G, so if we get the vowel, we lie. We lie. Mm. Crucifigo becomes crucify by the same, the same token. Rico becomes fry. Okay, legal. We get legal direct from Latin, but also we get a, a similar word uh, from Latin, but through French. The G changes to a Y. Loyal. And similarly for regal, regal's from Latin directly. Royal comes from Latin indirectly through French, royal. And then finally, the focarium is, uh, is a room, the foyer. Um, vocal and vowel have the same root, and uh, the only difference is that vocal came direct from Latin. Vowel was processed through French, and French softened the, the velar K to the labial velar W. <clears throat> um, French not only softened sounds, it deleted a lot, a lot of them, so in uh, the T, uh, in the uh, in the, in the middle of two vowels in the word for brother became friar, we saw, back when we uh, talked about Middle English. Rotund comes from Latin, but if you subtract the T, you get a word that is, oh, it means, it means something like it, round. The round comes to us in French. <clears throat> Lose the, the C in periculosum, which is the Latin form, and you get perilous, so dangerous, and lose the S in salvo. So salvo is a Latin word, and, and, uh, or, uh, and you lose the L, fr uh, as French did, and you get the word to save. Okay, this is, this is the slide that I mentioned before, the English words uh, in TW, we saw those. Let me do a, a couple, a couple more of those, and then uh, then uh, we'll do an exercise on phobias and manias, and, and and that'll be the end. On today's quiz, we had um, ignore. Okay, the, the the word G N O 
from Greek as an agnostic and, and, and other words like that. Let's translate that Greek root into modern English. <clears throat> the G should correspond to what sound in English by, uh, by the correspondences that we saw. Voice G corresponds to uh, voiceless G. And so in English, G-N-O should be K-N-O, to know, okay, as in our, our verb, to know. Care, care from Greek, let's see, uh, uh, I'm going to get my list here. Mm. Okay, so care from Greek. Will correspond to corn and fair in Latin. And in <coughs> in um, So the the corn of Latin, the K the K sound should correspond to an H in English. So we get horn. That's that's easy enough to see. Corn uh, means horn, as in cornucopia, horn of plenty. The um, the corn in that we get in Latin is also the the corn that we get in corners. So the image of a corner is something that makes an angle that it comes to a point the way a horn would. Those, those two concepts actually came from the same, the same basic image. <clears throat> there was a vowel change, uh, and the, the N was lost, uh, so that the root corn in Latin uh, 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 became related to the root C-E-R uh, that in Greek is spelled care, K-E-R. <clears throat> From the care in Greek, we get the, uh, the English word carrot. If K-E-R means a pointy thing, the carrot is a pointy vegetable. And so that's where that, that's where that comes from. The, the uh, the C-E-R that's spelled in rhinoceros is the same thing. So rhin, uh, R-H-I-N, we saw means nose. OK, so something with uh, 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 a horn, OK, uh, 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 a horn-shaped nose is, uh, is uh, a rhinoceros. <clears throat> um, the word cheer, our word cheer, C-H-E-E-R, also comes from the uh, the same form, and you wonder why? What does that have to do with horn shape? Well, it's a little uh, it's a little more complicated than that. In in Greek, the uh, uh, this root C E R was the the the, the source of uh, words for brain. So cerebellum we see, or cerebral we see, and from that we get uh, we get from brain. <laughs> brain, uh, 
from brain we get head, and from from this notion head, the notion cheer, some, something that makes your head happy, if you will, <laughs> derives. Uh, I'm sorry, but it actually seems to be real. <laughs> um, in uh, in um, the, the word, in fact, the word migraine, the GR of migraine. I have to put, I'll put it in the same place. The GR of migraine is related to, to the same root because of the, uh, the meaning head. <clears throat> so, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, all those words that we talked about, English got, uh, got related words from Latin and Greek. And and so the, uh, the the sounds are sounds like we we see in Latin and Greek, but at the same time, um, from the same Indo-European root, Germanic got words in an H, and so English got horn from Germanic. It's the same place where we got hornet. And one last example of uh, of, of this root. Reindeer, where rain uh, is derived from H vowel R, meaning horn. So a uh, reindeer, a reindeer is a deer with horns. Okay, that's all. Um, there's uh, two more examples like this. Uh, uh, Dur. Is, uh, is, is quite surprising. Dur, as in durable, means hard. So what, what do we get from that? Well, the, uh, from, 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 from dur, uh, in Latin, we get the French word dur, D-O-U-R meaning you know, kind of sour, sad. Um, but also, this dr comes into Germanic as d should correspond to t as tr, and so the word our, our our Germanic word true is comes from the Indo-European root for heart. So help help me understand that. If you, if you're going to pick one uh, synonym for true. And you only could pick hard versus soft, which would it be? That's oh, that's the image. Okay, this uh, hard means it's lasting, it's going to win, and so on. And that's that's where our notion truth came from. Same thing <coughs> for truce, T R U C E, for the same reason. Same thing for trust, T R U S T. They all contain. Indo-European root that is cognate with the Latin form dur, d-u-r. Mm. This this goes on. Uh, betrothed. So betrothed <coughs> came about because uh, English had true. Betrothed means uh, ex express you know expressing your fidelity to, to someone else. On the other hand, speaking of fidelity, on the other tryst, t-r-y-s-t. Also, the TR in there is related to the DR of dur. A tryst is a place where one waits trustingly. That's the, that's the etymological meaning. 
Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I, I'm not, not going to explain this, but this is literally true. The same root, dr, that in Latin meant hard, got, uh, got into Greek as dr. And it, uh, it underwent reduplication. And after, after the reduplication, the, uh, the first R changed to an N. And so from the, from, from the word hard, we got the Greek word dendrion, which means tree. So, so the word tree originally uh, comes from the, the, this, this concept of hardness. <clears throat> and uh, just just to complete uh, uh, just to complete the, uh, the the examples from from that notion of tree um, we get tar because tar comes from a pine tree. Right? It's just absolutely amazing how uh, uh, you know, a single root will give us so many words with uh, so many you know, really different meanings. Last example is very simple and sort of funny. Uh, the K-A-R of Latin that we saw in charity and so on, uh, we get it with the K-A-R in the word caress. <clears throat> but Germanic also used the same, the same root, only in place of the vowel changed. And in place of the K in Latin, we have a velar fricative in English that comes to us as an H. And so uh, etymologically related to caress in Latin is an English word that has one syllable whose first uh, letter is H, last letter is R, and it has a vowel. Yeah. Or. <laughs> okay, you just see how meanings. These are examples of you know, uh, amelioration, pejoration, and so on. All, all, these, uh, all these kind of uh, mechanisms of change that we saw, they've just been happening through, through all time. And so we get words with very, very different flavors because, uh, from the same root because of very, very uh, natural kinds of uh, semantic changes. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. Now, uh, the exercise that we meant to do that uh, I asked you to do uh, today for, uh, for class. Let's go over that. Uh, I don't know uh, if, if you printed out um, a copy of this from the, the website. That's great. If you didn't, here's a copy of one. Okay. <coughs> Use that slide for reference if you want. We have the Indo-European form. <clears throat> and then we'll, uh, we'll derive Greek, Latin roots and uh, modern-day English words using these correspondences. So, for example, A, we only have the, the English word. So by, by the, the law on the, on the slide, what should the English word be? Do, D-E-W. The um, Indo-European sound, B-H-E, with a laryngeal. The laryngeals were... Uh, 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 realized differently depending on what kind of sound they came before and after. 
the uh, the Lorendel H uh, is going to be realized as uh, uh, as a and e in the Greek examples. So BH in Proto-Indo-European should become what in Greek? PH, and so fa and fe, which are spelled P-H-A, P-H-E, where, uh, what, what will be the, um, uh, and this means to speak, so give me words where P-H-A and P-H-E mean uh, to speak. You have to you have to put a prefix before and a suffix after. Emphasis P H A. What's P H A? P H E. I bet that profit is an example. We'll uh, we'll look it up later if uh, if, if we can. Um, if for Latin, we'll get. F-A, so F-A for speak. Famous, nice. And uh, for, uh, for English, the uh, corresponding to B-H of Proto-Indo-European, we should get what sound? A B, so to ban is uh, remotely connected in meaning but is directly connected to those, those roots. For bend from uh, Proto-Indo-European, we should get an English word that begins with what labial sound? P, so pen, like the, the pen that you're holding. Uh, bear, we saw already. So in, in, in Greek, we get fair and for. In Latin, we get F-E-R, corresponding to the B-H in Proto-Indo-European, we get the B in English, and so bear means carry. Um, e, pet, so the P and T of Proto-Indo-European should be what in Greek? P and T, they should say the same. And, and so a root that means fly, tear. As in pterodactyl or helicopter. Helicopter, the tear at the end of helicopter means flying. In, uh, in English, the P should become what sound? And the T should become what sound? They should become fricatives, and so we should get something associated with flying. Feather. Pen, we saw already. Tone, ten, tender. In English, thin. T corresponds to TH in English. <clears throat> Palatalized K, kya, in, uh, in Proto-Indo-European becomes uh, this is the this is the velar that we that we talked about uh, before uh, the K corresponds to uh, K in Greek 
in Latin and H in English, card, cord, and heart. All right. Uh, BH in Indo-European corresponds to what in Greek? BH corresponds to PH. So PHYT related to plant or grow. So neophyte would be an example of, of that morphine. And in English, there's a cognate. So BH corresponds to what sound in English? The sound B. And so our word B, our, uh, uh, our, our simple word to be, uh, originated as a verb meaning to grow. <clears throat> AU, uh, the, uh, the G of Indo-European corresponds to G in Greek, so aug, the aug of augment. Augur, I suppose, in Greek and Latin. And then in English, the K, uh, the, the, the G corresponds to uh, K in English. And so eek, as in eek out a living, <clears throat> a verb that's almost dead. Um, G-E-L, <coughs> so the, uh, the, the G of Proto-Indo-European should survive as a G in Latin, but change to what sound in English? Okay, so gel and cool are cognates. The P of Proto-Indo-European corresponds to um, what in Greek it should be a P, so ped. I don't know, it, uh, meaning, meaning little. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, meaning little. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, the, the vowel should be different for, uh, for child. So, um, but yeah, I, I, that's, I, I, yeah, you must you must be right. So it's a the the P E D is a modern spelling of P A E D, and uh, uh, so the ped of like encyclopedia, and the, uh, uh, the, the, the that the root means child. Okay, in Latin, P A U C has the same P. It's the same root, means few, as in paucity. And then the P corresponds to an F in Germanic, and so our word few is actually related to the, um, the, the root in paucity. <clears throat> uh, so uh, M, the T is the source of trans in Latin, and you change that T to a th in English, and you get through. So trans, the prefix. Its meaning is very closely related to the, the English word through, and etymologically, they go back to the same root. <clears throat> we saw sing already, so can is uh, uh, from can't, can't, chant, and so on, is the Latin form, and that's related to an English word. K changed to, I know you're looking at me funny, but it changed, K changed to H, a word hen is uh, so-called because of its singing ability, it turns out. 
the word for bread goes back to the Indo-European Indo form that you see in O. And, and P should change to what kind of sound in English? Should change to F. And so food is uh, a cognate word. So we see, what, what, uh, what do we call that process of generalization? Right, where the uh, uh, word for bread becomes uh, the word for anything that we eat. Mm -hmm. um, uh, take the Indo-European root in P. Uh, we know that Greek changed S to H. The final consonant D st stayed the same in Greek from Indo-European. So H-E-D is uh, uh, the root supposed to be pleasant. So he hedonism. And in uh, Latin, H corresponds to S. HW corresponds to, to SW, which we write here as SU. But the D should stay the same. And so Latin has a root suede that we get in persuade. So to, to talk sweetly to someone is persuading them. And our word sweet, in fact, is cognate with that. OK. Um, the, the, uh, the T at the beginning of the root meaning squeeze survives in Latin, so intrude, obtrude, and so on comes from that root. And then in English, what cognate verb do we get? Change the T to a th. Th. Change the voice to stop to a voice to frequent. T to a th. And you change the voiced D to a T, and so threat, threat is our way of squeezing. <clears throat> and then uh, the, the final one I think we saw, th so the D-H-E in Proto-Indo-European became T-H-E in Greek, so thesis, thematic, theme, all of those come from that root, uh, root that meant to put or set. And the DH in Indo-European became the fricative F in Latin, so fac. And then that's actually cognate with our English word do. Right. Mm. Let's uh, quickly, we have uh, a few more minutes. Let's do one more exercise that's very different. Just figure out what uh, what all these different phobias are. I just looked up uh, 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 whatever whatever list I could find. There's uh, many lists on the web of um, words uh, words that have that have never been uttered before, but you always see written down and uh, just rare words and so on. Mm. The acrophobia would be fear of heights. Acro. Acrophobia. Aerophobia. What, what, aeroplane. Well, the root means air. Okay. So now we have to use our head and figure what kind of air this phobia is of. And I, I, what I believe that the, it is is fear of breathing the air that that we have. So uh, when when it was so hot, when it was so hot here, okay. I think I uh, the 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 the. Uh, Air conditions were so terrible. I think I think that's the kind of phobia that uh, 
uh, that that's what that is about. Agoraphobia is one that we run into a lot. Agro is the, the, the marketplace in Greek, so a fear of open spaces. Albumin urophobia. Albumin is a chemical. Euro is urine. So it's fear of finding albumin in your urine, which is it's a sign of some terrible disease. I can't remember what, but don't, yeah, don't ever, yeah. Algophobia. You have um, hyperalgia. Uh, algae, analgesic, anal, analgesic ingredients, A-L-G, even kind of the root, right? And, and analgesic tablets, like aspirin and, and so on, the things that combat pain, A-L-G is pain. Algorithm is just, uh, you, really, you really don't want to be near pain. <clears throat> Anthophobia, our word anthem Derives from this, but by virtue of a metaphor. If you know, if you uh, if you're a gardener, maybe you know of what is it? Uh, if chrysanthemum, chrysanthemum. Uh, F means flower. Okay, so anthophobia. He's just. Uh, he, he, you don't like plants or you're allergic to them. Or you don't like flowers, you're allergic to them. <clears throat> the oro in, in orophobia, gold. Automysophobia, myso is dirt. Automysophobia, fear of getting yourself dirty. Does that ring a bell with anyone? Not, not the word necessarily, but the concept. Is this, uh, uh, autophobia, fear of autos. No. Fear of what? Now, what's that, what could that? Let's use uh, so fear of oneself. What? What could that possibly mean? I mean, we we all know our psychology, all right. So, what does? Okay, it's not like you look in the mirror and it, it frightens you. Right? <laughs> what? Help, help me understand that. Just know, knowing our psychology, what 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 could fear of oneself? Logically means well, or fear of being by oneself, fear of being alone. Uh, bathophobia, fear of baths. No, bathos is depth, fear of depths. Uh, coprophobia, copro is a, a one of a several words for excrement. Okay, uh, cryophobia. We know cryogenics. Okay, so it's fear of cold. Cynophobia, cynic, C-Y-N-I-C. Cynic. The cynics were dogs. They were, the cynics were kind of, uh, think of the, the, the Greek philosophers, there was a school of philosophy called the cynics. They were kind of, I don't know, mean, negative, and so on. They got their name from uh, a metaphor for, for dogs. So cynophobia is, uh, is uh, fear of dogs. Dysmorphophobia. So we know the dis from dysfunctional. Morph, we know from morphine, where it was form or shape. So what's dysmorphophobia? So what, again, let's just use, use our, yeah, fear of being deformed, exactly. This goes on and on and on. Metaphobia, 
Have you been prescribed an emetic that makes you vomit? Fear of vomiting? Gamophobia. Fear of marriage? Relatively common, relatively common disease. Uh, graphophobia. Fear of writing. Your own, in particular. Uh, hedonophobia. Fear of pleasure. Herpetophobia. Herp. Herp is uh, the Greek root for Latin. Just substitute the Latin, what corresponds to ancient Greek? S. So serpent. So herpetophobia is fear of uh, uh, snakes. Hippophobia. Hippos. Is, uh, hippos is horse. Hippodrome. Hippodrome. Okay. Fear of horses. Iatrophobia. Did we have like psychiatry? Treatment. Treatment. So fear of treatment. You don't like to go to the doctor. Monopathophobia. Uh, uh, <clears throat> All right, mono is one. Path is, here is D's, a disease like uh, 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 pathology. So monopathophobia is fear of a thing. None of, none, none of us is crazy about disease, but if you have a thing about one disease in particular, okay, I just, it just, I don't want to get cancer, okay, or whatever it is. If it's just one, one thing that, 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 uh, that you're afraid of, then that's called monopathophobia. <clears throat> okay, uh, let's just finish these off. So, nyctophobia, night. Okay, again, notice the, the Greek, okay, the, the Greek word just so closely related to the, uh, the English word night. Odontophobia. Fear of the dentist. Uh, it, I think it's actually fear of being bitten. <laughs> so it's the dentist who has odontophobia because you can bite the dentist. Uh, phobophobia. Yeah, thank you. Scopophobia. Scope as in telescope. Fear of being looked at. Tachophobia. Do we have a tachometer? Fear of speed, so moving fast, and zoophobia, fear of living things. Of course, there are hundreds more uh, of these, uh, but we won't, uh, we won't bother you with these. That was great. Really good. Um, so next, next week, we have the week off. Uh, but please come back the following week. Don't forget to come back two Mondays from tonight uh, to hear your, uh, your classmates talk about their projects. Um, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll wind up with uh, a few exercises. And before that, there's a, there's a little bit in chapter nine on, uh, on Latin and Greek morphology that uh, if, if, if we saw uh, the kind of phonological system of uh, Latin, Greek, and Proto-Indo-European, we'll take a, a, a slightly quicker look at the, at the morphological morphological system of those languages to help us understand English words that we get from those languages and that will be it. Okay, very good. <laughs>